1: last sunday live experience for 2022 so great to have you here and this is the last week of a mini-series we've been teaching called tis the season and really we've taken december to uh intentionally dial our focus even more into jesus and the run-up to christmas which you probably noticed there's a lot of moving parts And uh, the most important moving part we would put to you is Jesus. And so this is us uh, focusing on Him. And uh, the first week we taught on, or Rob, one of our teaching team taught on Tis the Season for gratitude. And uh, Rob put out a little bit of a thought experiment, which a couple of our team tried. He said, you know, try this. Uh, See if you can uh, feel gratitude and grumpy at the same time. And a couple of our team tried it and failed. Not possible. So like that, maybe someone tried that this week. Uh, Last week, I preached about this season for joy, that we can find joy in the season when we focus on the joy that's in the reason. Now, we do have uh, one of our people whose name is Joy, and I gave you the task while I was preaching to keep a running tally. How many times did I mention your name in last week's message? 25. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well played. All right. Free coffee for you. Now, uh, today I want to preach about and teach on, it is the season for hope. And uh, some of you know this, uh, life and including the run up to Christmas can be full of disappointment. Now, has anybody been listening to Christmas songs? Anyone, Christmas songs? Yeah? Now, some people have said that Mariah Carey owns Christmas. And uh, essentially, just I, I didn't say I said it, just it's been said. And it's largely because of her song, All I Want For Christmas Is You if you're wondering if that song's a big deal or not, it earns her US $3 million per year in royalties. In other words, for doing nothing. She wrote one song, went into a recording studio, and now she's rich. Um, But think about that song for a minute. I mean, think about if you're the person, you're the dude that she wrote that song to. All I want for Christmas is you. And you think, and you hear it for the first time, you think, Oh, wow. Until you rewind it and realise the opening line of the song is, I don't want much for Christmas. It's the ultimate burn. Very, very, very disappointing. But when I think about that word disappointment, disappointment isn't the opposite of hope and hope isn't the opposite of disappointment. Hope is really points to this idea that when we go through disappointment, that that isn't the end of the story. We haven't reached the end of the narrative, that God is still at work and we hold on to hope that better days are ahead, that God can actually work and lead and take us through this season of disappointment and actually come out the other side, having learned, having grown and having had character developed in us. So what I want to do is if you've got your smart device, sorry, this screen's uh, going on Christmas holidays, uh, scan this flow code with your camera. It's going to take you to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew's one of the uh, biographers that wrote about Jesus' life and ministry while he was on the earth. He actually had a front row seat. He was kind of handpicked by Jesus. Uh, He was in a tax collector, um, before becoming a Jesus follower. Not to say they're always mutually exclusive, uh, but uh, in his case it was. So scan that. Anyway, i gonna take you to that. Um, and what I wanna do now, wham, focused on the last Christmas. I wanna focus on the first Christmas, all right? George, Michael, we miss you. And I specifically wanna take us to the first thing that happened after Jesus was born. We had a little open video that kind of pointed to, to this, okay? So let me read, you can read along with me on the screens. After Jesus was born in, Beth, in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, which is like Jewish uh, territory, this was during Herod's kingship. A band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east and they asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern skies that signaled his birth and we're on pilgrimage to worship him. Well, when word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. And not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. So Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and religion scholars in the city together and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Well, they told him Bethlehem, Judah Territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly, "It's you Bethlehem in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule my people, my Israel." Well, Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, and pretending to be as devout as they were, he got them to tell him exactly where the birth announcement star appeared. And then he told him the prophecy about Bethlehem and said go find this child leave no stone unturned and as soon as you find him send word and I'll join you once again at once in your worship while instructed by the king they set off then the star appeared again the same star they'd seen in the eastern skies and it led them on until it hovered over the place of the child they could hardly contain themselves they were in the right place they had arrived at the right time and they entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. And overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him. And then they opened their luggage and presented gifts gold, frankincense, myrrh. In a dream, they were warned not to report back to Herod, so they worked out another route and left the territory without being seen and returned to their own country. This was like the first scene after the birth of Jesus. Now we often uh, see, especially in the lead up to Christmas, what we've kind of become known as nativity scenes, which kind of depicts like the usual suspects that were orbiting around Jesus. Now, of course, typically there's uh, Joseph, uh, then there's Mary, and then there's Jesus. A Couple of things I wanna point out with most nativity scenes. Mary almost always looks in remarkably good shape for someone that's just given birth, uh, just saying, well played. And, and and Jesus, he's the oldest looking newborn that's ever, I mean, this guy, I, I think, look, he look, he's looking like, it's, he's only a couple of months away from needing to have a shave. Like, hey, how you doing? So anyway, that's weird to me, it J- just is. Uh, so there's a newborn Jesus with, anyway, a mullet. Anyway, um and then, then you'll, you'll probably, you know, in some nativities, you might find angels kind of orbiting above. Uh, you might see some shepherds that that kind of come into the scene and then this livestock because he was born in a sort of a barn kind of setting. Um, and uh, then you'll oftentimes find these three guys that we've just read about. Now, the message version that we just Read from calls them a band of scholars. Now it doesn't actually tell us what their field of study or their field of expertise is, it just says this band of scholars. Um, So there's a clue that they were into something, uh, but it doesn't kind of tell us what they were into. Now, some other translations and use the phrase wise men, these three wise men. Some of you probably heard that as their um, depiction, these three wise men, uh, which is not actually very accurate. In fact, you could probably look back through history and see that's quite a sanitized description. And one of the reasons that it was that's that become a sanitized description is the actual uh, tradecraft of these three dudes, they were referred to as magi. Now, some of you have probably heard that expression, the three magi, uh, this phrase magi, we don't have it in our modern vernacular, but it actually has the same root as the word magic. see a couple of you feeling uncomfortable. Can we go back to wise men, please? Uh essentially they were astrologers not astronomers Galileo astronomer these guys astrologers they actually studied the stars not to learn about interplanetary they studied the stars because they actually believed that the stars could actually give us wisdom and give us tell us our fortune and our future direction and and they were and and, and, and other people in that same uh, korea uh would be contracted to the the kingdoms of uh, persia and 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 the babylonians and so on and so forth to give like uh like consults to the rulers like tell us what the stars hello lights are going on holidays as well oh jesus as well i mean you can't have this face getting blacked out um Wowzers, well, okay. You're about to see just how focused I can be. So here we have these uh, magicians as the first people who were invited into this scene of Jesus being born. See, they actually referred to Jesus as the King of the Jews. They knew that He was the King of the Jews. They would have known that, that Jesus was who the Jewish people had been waiting for, this Saviour that's going to come and rule over Israel. They, the Jewish people had been waiting for 700 years. Now, this kind of doesn't make sense. The Jewish people had been waiting for 700 years, and now Jesus arrives, you would think, and I wonder if the people at the time would think that the, the VIP invitations ought to have gone out to the religious leaders, the Jewish scholars, maybe some of the, the Jewish priests and some of, the, some of the political leaders in Israel. And yet instead, God led three magicians to be first on the scene. I mean, these guys would be more likely to turn up in a Harry Potter novel than Matthew's account of Jesus' life and ministry if we just thought how we kind of maybe think God operates. But God, He's kind of wacky sometimes. He doesn't always do things like we think He should have done. And I love this. We're talking about hope. Look, if you weren't top of your class at school, if you don't have a tertiary education, if you're not the CEO of your company yet, or you're just a domestic CEO, you're in charge, but no one's paying you a cent. If you haven't memorized the Bible yet, if you don't pray in King James language, thee, thou, thoust, dost thou, do, thou. if you haven't been a follower of Jesus for very long, if you're not even a follower of Jesus yet, these guys weren't not yet. If you haven't led somebody to faith in Jesus, if you have a habit, you're a follower of Jesus and you've been trying to like shake this thing that you used to do or used to think and, 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 it, and you're still bumping up against it and you're like is this ever, am I ever going to get breakthrough in this? If any of those sorts of things are true for you, they do not disqualify you from being called by God, for being invited to meet Jesus, to be invited to do something special, to be invited to experience something special. I mean these magicians they were unlikely choices. I mean not only would they not expected to go number 1 in the draft, they didn't even get nominated for the draft. And yet they got drafted as the number 1 draft picks. And then they arrived on the scene and we still read about that today. There's a couple of things they did that I want to double click on this morning that ultimately, because they did them, put them in the position that they ultimately found themselves in, that we read about today, and that we can learn from today. The first one is this they responded to God's interruption. I don't like getting interrupted. My phone, yeah, I know, it's shocking to some of you that know me. My phone has a do not disturb feature. It's like my favorite feature on my phone. Thank you, Tim Apple. I mean, like, really? Uh, I'll get to you when when I feel like, that's kind of how it goes. You know, I turn notifications off on my computer so I don't get the, you know, Billy Bob just emailed you. Go away, Billy Bob! I check my emails once a day in the morning and then that's it. Next day, I'll get get back to you by checking them once a day, right? I mean, it's just me. Some of you like to feel wanted. So ping, 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 ping. These guys got interrupted by God and in fact got interrupted to respond to something that wasn't in their wheelhouse. They weren't Jewish they hadn't been waiting 700 years. They lived elsewhere. <laughs> and God like said, hey, you come over here. And, and had they not responded with a yes, had they not moved in the direction that God was calling them, we wouldn't be reading about them today. Someone else would have been first on the scene. But they recognize that God was calling them and for whatever reason they responded by following God's lead. This is kind of this little flyover. A band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem. So they've come from where they've come from. Now they're in Jerusalem. They're still not where Jesus is but they're close. Err, And then the star appeared again, the same star that they'd seen in the eastern skies and it led them on until it hovered over the place of the child and I gotta tell you this, who wouldn't want these words to be your experience they were in the right place they had arrived at the right time they didn't orchestrate it God orchestrated it what they did was respond to God's interruption and they continue to follow until they got to the right place at the right time, and here's something that I, it can be a little challenging to hear. But some sometimes hope is found in a different direction than the one you're currently traveling on, and the only way you're going to find that new hope is with a course correction. See, chances are for some of you, there's some body or some bodies in your sphere that are so discouraging, they're actually sucking hope out of you. And the only way you're going to actually get into a place of fresh hope is by actually changing direction and changing your relationship with them and getting with some people who are in the habit of speaking life and encouragement and future and promise and destiny and when you get into that position and that sphere and that environment and those become the dominant influencers in your life just watch your hope meter go up and up and up I've had to do that many years ago uh, I found a, a, a corner of my sphere Uh, of church leaders, not all of my friends that are church leaders, but a corner of my friends that are fellow church leaders, uh, had become very cynical about the church, the thing that they were leading, like not just their church, but like the church, the church. It's like, yeah, the church is not perfect. Elevate church is not perfect. Your church is not perfect. However, I still, to this day, sit here before you and 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 convinced more than ever that the church is the hope of the world, that the church's best days are ahead, that God is not dead, He's not unemployed, He's not disengaged and disconnected, He's not unwilling or unable. And I stand on the promise that Jesus, when He declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yes. That that wasn't a promise just for the early church. I will build my church and and 30 years later we'll just kind of shrink wrap it and then everything else will just be downhill from there. And I'm like, the more I listen to you, Buffheads, the the, the the, the more discouraged I'm getting. And I'm starting to think, am I just being like an, idea, an idealist? Am I like in denial that the church isn't perfect? And so I had to intend, I liked them, but this vibe wasn't the vibe that was taking me to a place of hope. And so I literally had to change direction, disengage from them. And my church leader buddies that I, hang with and who I get influenced by are all hope-filled and they speak the same sort of words that I've just spoken about the church when we talk about the church. And the other thing that I love about these magicians is they brought their best. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshiped him, and they opened their luggage and presented gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Everything about this journey that, that ultimately saw them arrive in the right place at the right time, everything about this journey cost them something. No one was paying them. These contracts that they had to these kings and empires, they weren't paid unless they were there in the palace. So there was like a, a loss of income. <laughs> they funded the trip themselves. The, 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 the actual trip was inconvenient and uncomfortable. It wasn't Emirates business class suite on an A380. It was the opposite. It, was, it would have been horrible given the terrain and the climate and the conditions and everything, they did all of those things and they turned up with gifts. They actually thought ahead, they turned up with gifts and and not like, well, yeah, just look, hang on, before we go, let's just check the back of the shed, see if there's anything that we haven't used for five years, you know, or, or go through the junk drawer, oh, a couple of batteries, I don't know if they work, but you know, <laughs> not my problem. Uh, <laughs> They didn't just like pass by red dot on the way, like quick, 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 two bucks, yep, got it. They 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 brought gifts and not just rando thoughtless gifts. They brought gifts that were worthy of presenting to royalty. They these these things of gold, frankincense, and these were gifts that you would bring to a king. They brought their best. There's a female preacher, and some of you, sort of church veterans, will, if I said her name, you will have heard of her, and some of you maybe have listened to her preaching and so on and so forth over the years. Um, What you might not know is that it was in her very early 20s that she felt God calling her to become a preacher. Problem is, she didn't ever, hadn't ever done any preaching. So no one was calling her, inviting her to preach, not even the church that she was part of because there was no track record there. So she's like, you know, pragmatic, like, well, if I'm going to become a preacher, I better start preaching. Like the only way to get good at it is to, you know, do it on the job training, so to speak, but no one's inviting me, so what, what are my options? And she, she learned that uh, many aged care facilities run uh, like a Sunday, like a chapel service. And, and many of them are desperate to have people come in voluntarily and, and preach. And so she found a, a nearby aged care facility and approached them and, and offered her services as a preacher. Uh, and, they, and they're like, yeah, how often can you, can you be here? And, and she's like, uh, every week, I, I think every week. And they're like, signed. Here's no money. See you Sunday. Um, and, and, and by the way, to add to this, and I don't, don't mean this to be disrespectful in, in any way, but it was actually a dementia aged care facility, like specifically and exclusively for, for, for people with dementia. Now, some of you are currently irreverently thinking this thought. You're thinking, what an easy gig. Because you can just prepare one message and you can preach that same message every single Sunday. Now you know who you are. And, 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 and not only will they not remember you from last Sunday, but they certainly won't remember the message from last Sunday. And they'll think this is the greatest message I've ever heard in my life. Every single Sunday. You're naughty. Those of you who are thinking this thought. And that's precisely what she didn't do. Instead, she prepared a brand new message from scratch every single week, and she went and presented it fresh out of the oven and brought her best. Because she understood that she wasn't ultimately serving the people, even though she was serving the people. But ultimately, she was representing the King of Kings. She was actually wanting to be able to stand in front of the King of Kings every single Sunday when she'd finished preaching, and if he were to ask her, was that the best you could do today? That she could confidently and with integrity say, yes, it wasn't perfect, I'm still improving, but but in this occasion and given where I'm at, yes, I did, I brought my best. I did my best to to impact these people. I did my best best to bring you glory. About a month ago, um, I was hanging with one of our team and I said to them, I said, listen, I, gotta, you, I want you to know that one of the things I value about you as a team member, there's a lot, but let me, one of the, one of the things I value about you as a team member is I know that when I see your name scheduled in, in the run-up to a Sunday, I know that, I, I just know, I already know that you're going to be here, that you're going to be here on time. That you're going to be here prepared, not running around like a headless chicken because you you didn't get to prepare, and that you're going to execute on the role that you have been scheduled for. I love that about you. It's like as a leader, I just, I love that. It instills me with confidence, and I know that, you know, we've got team members all across Elevate that when you do what you do, we're better for it, and people are better for it. And this wasn't meant to turn into a mutual. Uh, compliment uh, moment, but they thank. I was uh, thrilled that they had in. They responded to me. You know, thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, let me say one of the things I appreciate. This is them saying one of the things I appreciate about our teaching team, and I hadn't even taught that Sunday. Uh, is that you guys always turn up really well prepared? And I said, "Yeah, we do." And here's why: because what we do matters. This isn't a TED talk. As much as I do like myself a good TED talk, this isn't a good. This isn't a, a TED talk. This is this is us with the enormous honor and the enormous responsibility of taking God's holy word and communicating it in such a way. Taking it, it's so valuable. Taking it off the high shelf, but but, but it's so valuable that God wants to make it accessible, and and we. We just can't come in having written a few words on the back of a postage stamp. This is about doing the work and coming prepared because this stuff matters. Now, I didn't give them quite as long an answer as that. I probably just said, thanks very much, what we do matters. Uh, But here's the thing. When you recognize that whatever God's called you to do, you don't got to do that. You get to do that. Of all of the people he could have called, he chose you. Of all of the people that he could have overlooked, he didn't overlook you. And when you recognise that and respond to that, then, I, then the only appropriate response is to bring our best. Now, just let me highlight, we're not talking about perfection. That doesn't exist on earth. It only exists in heaven, okay? So sometimes your best on any given day might be, worse than it was the last time because you know junior vomited in the car on the way in and disrupted some of your plans because you were sick Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're better on Sunday, but you missed a few days and you're trying to catch up. Our best is actually a moving target, okay? So the idea is not that you beat yourself up if you don't bring something as good as you once did before. But it's that when you've done the thing that God called you to do, and he stands before you and just asks you very gently, very lovingly, it's not like public flogging's about to happen, just a simple question, was that your best? That you would be able to look him in the eye with all integrity and say, you know what? Yeah, it was. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Like the magicians, doesn't mean it's always gonna be convenient, comfortable, comfortable on your terms, in your timing, when you're ready. But ultimately, it has the opportunity to take us to the right place at the right time. Now you guys, music team's gonna come up and uh, we're gonna finish with a real declaration. But I want us to pray before we do, before we pray, (laughs) Let me just say something that's on my heart for you. And that is that this Christmas, thanks Tara, that this Christmas, that you wouldn't just celebrate what God did 2,000 years ago, although let's be people that celebrate what God did 2,000 years ago and what that's made possible. Also, that we would be people that that celebrate and are celebrating what God's doing now in our lives and in our spheres and that we would celebrate the God who's working, the God who's promising, the God who's looking ahead, the God that's speaking over your future and your promise and your potential, that he's speaking promises that you haven't seen yet, but when he speaks a promise, it's as good as done and it will get there in the right time. And then (laughs) that we, because there's hope in that. Right, And then that we would be people that also, leading into Christmas, have that same prayer for the people in our sphere, whether they're followers of Jesus yet or not. That that, that God would be at work cutting through the noise, interrupting them, getting their attention, and that they would respond in the way that God's calling them to respond. So how about we stand? I'm going to pray for them. You you all can pray for yourself, all right? It's a DIY prayer. Uh, But I'm gonna pray for the people who aren't here that are in your sphere as we run up to Christmas. And then we're gonna sing this song. It's a new song, but it's not too difficult. It's called Hope Has a Name. See, Jesus doesn't just bring hope. Jesus is hope. And And getting close to Him means that we're accessing hope at all times. So God, I thank You that You use us to reach people and build people. That, that, that we're not to be a, a, a community club with a closed membership. That God, instead that we are always looking beyond what about me and saying, God, use me. Use me, lead me, take me to the places, take me to the people, take me to the opportunities. Let me see them. Give me the strength and the courage to respond to them. That will see me see us living our lives on purpose, with a purpose, to see your kingdom expanded, to see, see people like the magicians meet your son Jesus and bow before Him and worship Him and see hope manifest in their lives as well. God, in all of the noise, in all of the busyness, in all of the things that, that have been layered to Christmas, that this will be the the number one thing that cuts through the noise, that you, Jesus, will be glorified. God, that as we gather next Saturday to celebrate Christmas as Elevate Church with, with new people joining in, with first time guests joining in, with curious onlookers joining in, that you will use us, God, that you will use this team, this place, this environment, this atmosphere, to bring your reality into a tangible accessible experience for the people gathered here next Saturday as well so we're going to declare this that hope has a name Jesus Emmanuel God with us
0: we really hope you got a lot out of this message